Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It is my kind of day at the fair. A little cloud cover, a little breeze. 71 degrees, no threat of rain. A great day to enjoy the fair. Cool tonight, 57 furlough. Keith Urban at the grandstand, 79 tomorrow, 84 on Monday. Looks like it'll stay in the 80s, and no mention of rain uh, for the full week of the fair. Of course, it ends a week from Monday. Hard to believe Labor Day a week from Monday. Right now, let's go outdoors. Steve Carney joins us, stevecarneyoutdoors.com. Steve-O, how you been? I'm fabulous. How's the fair treating you, Steve? It is good. I got on the grounds early today. I always like to get here early. And my first stop ever since I was a little kid was the Tom Thumb Mini Donuts, and they were were great. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's tradition, man. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah, and I'm one of those where I I like the old school. And then uh, maybe after the show today at about 530, I'm going to run down a Prano Pup. So there you go. Well, good for you. Um, actually, I was on the water this morning. It was um, really a beautiful morning, and you know, I had a really good fishing morning. Finally, after you know a tough three, four weeks, and the fish were uh, snapping pretty good this morning. So I think we might have turned the corner a little bit towards fall. Trees are turning, and fishing has definitely improved. But a lot of stuff happening, Steve. We got the opener, uh, dove opener, next Friday. We have the uh, early goose season next Saturday and the early teal season also next weekend. So, yeah, there's a lot of preparation going on this week and a lot of changes and a lot of good things. Yeah, and Steve, you brought this up before about the early teal season, and it, and it is, and it can be disruptive these early season. Um, you're not a huge fan of it. No, and I'm not going to participate either, Steve. I just think it's really a bad idea. You know, I do understand the DNR wants to, you know, provide more opportunities and, you know, get more people involved, and I totally get that. But it's just at this time of the year, I mean, a lot of these birds have no color. They're small. They're brown. Wood ducks look the same. Gadwalls look the same. I mean, it's duck identification at this time of the year, you know, is really difficult. We're four weeks away from the regular waterfowl season, and, you know, it's just too early. But, you know, it's an experimental thing. Uh, started last year. They're going to do it again this year. We'll see what happens. But I just uh, I don't like the disruption this early in the season. You know, September, too, 
is really early. And, you know, I just think there's going to be a lot of collateral damage, you know, with other species just, you know, inadvertently because you can't ID these ducks, you know, yet. You know, eventually we will, but right now it's, uh, I don't know, I just don't think it's a very good idea. All right, Steve, let's get back to the bite a little bit and, and the fact that you saw improvement. What, what, what do you think is going on? I, I know it was a really hot week. Um, it looks like it's going to cool down a little bit in the short term. Why the improvement? What's going on there? Well, I, it's a slight improvement, Steve. It's nothing major. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say the fall bite has started whatsoever, but, you know, we've been dropping, you know, water temperatures probably about 78 now, 76, which is better than it was. It was, you know, up, you know, 80, 81 for a while. So I was in um, working flats this morning, pulling crankbaits over weed beds, and it was really, really good. I was kind of surprised, but you know, again, we had really good wind this morning, really good overcast. So when you have overcast and you have a lot of wind, those fish will move up, you know, very shallow no matter what time of the year. So I think the timing was very good. But by no means has the fall bite started. It's still lagging behind and on most lakes. So it's going to be a while, I think, Steve. Maybe, yeah, four weeks, maybe five weeks till things really get going. But I was just impressed. It was just kind of one of those mornings that just worked out. All right, Steve, uh, what about water levels? I know we've got a dry week. I mentioned the weather. Uh, We heard the weather a moment ago coming out of the news. And there is a great deal of concern about the the fact that it has been very dry in most spots. And for the foreseeable future, we don't see any rain. And that that really is a big deal as you move into the fall and hunting season, etc., Yeah, there's a lot of things, you know, being affected by this drought, Steve. You know, right now, there's a lot of lakes up in northern Minnesota and, you know, up in uh, the lakes country where you can't get a pontoon boat in. It's just too shallow. So a lot of people going out, you know, for this weekend with Labor Day weekend really better check ahead and have plan B and plan C because you might not be able to get into your favorite lake because the levels are so low but, you know, we had a couple inches of rain about, you know, a week or go, 10 days ago. It didn't do anything. We're just that far behind. So um, you're just going to have to have, a, you know, uh, another lake uh, as sort of a backup the way it is because you may not get your big boat in some of these lakes. Well, Steve, where are you going to be in the coming week? Oh, Steve, I got so much going on. Um, <laughs> do a little scouting for does this week. I've been moving uh, bow stands uh, Oh, God, the last two days, it's just been kind of crazy. I'm just getting ready for the hunting seasons to kick off. And, um, you know, bow hunting is a couple of weeks away, but next weekend is going to be a big weekend, a lot of participation, a lot of things going on. So kind of prepare for that, and uh, it'll be great. It'll be a great weekend. This is a good time of the year. This is really a fun time of the year. Well, and after all that heat and humidity, it's a good opportunity to get some of that stuff done. And as you pointed out for years here on the radio, don't wait. Get that gear in order right now. Yep. Right now it's preparation time, and, you know, fishing is not all that great, so it's a good time to get your bow stands out, prepare for the dove season, get ready for the early goose season. you got the early teal season, a lot of things happening. So, yeah, this is a good week to get things ready and uh, get ready to go. Well, Steve, good to visit with you. We'll do it again in one week. Hey, sounds great, Steve. Have a great fair. Steve Carney is Steve Carney Outdoors each and every Saturday at this time. Speaking of the outdoors, DNR Conservation Officer Phil Mullis and his canine officer, 
will join us here at the fair. And don't forget, our outdoors coverage continues tomorrow with Rob Drew's sign in the outdoor news between 5 and 6 here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Once again, the DNR and a canine officer joining us at the fair should be very interesting. Then we'll get you ready for the Twins and the Rangers from Target Field. Game three of the four-game set, Joe Ryan on the mound. He is back. We'll see how Joe does tonight as the Twins try and take uh, their third straight over the Rangers. By the way, Texas reeling right now. They have dropped eight in a row. It's all coming up here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. We are back at the fair on Carnes, just down the hill from the old mill next to Sweet Martha's. And a lot of folks uh, stop by after getting a pail and enjoy those. Uh, here in front of the WCCO radio stage. By the way, tomorrow, uh, the huddle, uh, Pete Nigerian, Dave Schwartz will be on stage between 10 and noon, leading you up to the Twins. We'll have the Twins later. Right now, we're pleased to be joined by DNR Conservation Officer Phil Mose and his canine officer here on stage. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure to be here. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your partner there. Yeah, this is uh, Canine Mac. He's a uh, four-year-old Belgian, Met- Belgian Malinois German Shepherd mix. He's been with the DNR for the last three years. And how long have you worked with him? I've been with Mac since the beginning. So Mac and I uh, partnered up about three years ago, and uh, he didn't know anything when I got him. We went through school together, trained up, and uh, we've been out in the field together for now. This years. is your not your first time working with the dog. You did that in the military as well. Yeah, I spent seven years in the army, where I had the privilege to be a military working dog handler. Yeah, and it, it is really a unique skill set in, in the bonding with the dog. And, and I would assume you're, you're with this dog seven days a week. Yep, Mac lives with me at home and part of our family, and uh, every day I go to work, he comes with me. All right, let, let, let's talk about the, the training Mac goes through to do his job. What is his job with the DNR? Yeah, so Mac's uh, kind of a Swiss Army knife. He does quite a few jobs. He, uh, he's a zebra muscle detection dog. In addition to that, he detects game, so venison, duck, pheasant, wild turkey, grouse, and uh, firearms shell casings. And then in addition, he's uh, capable of tracking a lost hunter or uh, doing the officer protection. Oh, wow. So, so, so let, you, you bring up a Swiss Army knife. He really can do it all. But, but the fact that he was able to be trained to detect zebra muscles is, is super important because... You know, when people are moving watercraft from one body of an, you know, we're trying to protect those uh, waters that aren't impacted. Yeah, so uh, one of the initiatives the DNR has is trying to prevent the spread of zebra mussels. And uh, about 10, 15 years ago, they went out to California, learned a little bit that the dogs could help them do that. And so we utilize the dogs at the public access to search the boats. And then at uh, AIS check stations, as the boats come through, the dogs are a lot quicker than the humans and can pick it up with just the odor of the zebra mussel. Really? So they, they, they boom no right away that, that any sort of boat or live well is infected? Yeah, it's fascinating. If, if there's odor emitting from it, the dog will find it. Wow, that, that is... And, and what, what does the law say about it, about cleaning it? I mean, what does it take to get a boat clean so they, they wouldn't transport a zebra mussel? Yeah, so you have, you know, we... Clean, dry drain is kind of the motto yep. that uh, when you remove your boat from the lake, it's your responsibility. You cannot transport an aquatic invasive species in the state of Minnesota, so it's your responsibility as a, as a boat owner or operator to make sure that before you get on the roadway that you've taken the time to clean the boat off. 
Wow. And then uh, canine officer will find out for sure. Yeah. So uh, Mac goes out to, we spend a lot of time on the supervisor in the West Metro, so we spend a lot of time at Lake Minnetonka and other places across the state. And, and, and then I would assume his skills are invaluable in helping track down poachers and, and people that go beyond their legal limits. Yeah, so we have uh, five dogs across the state. Wow. They're all uh, trained to detect game, and then we have two dogs that do fish and then uh, three dogs that do zebra mussels. So we don't cross-train the fish dogs with the zebra mussels just for uh, continuity piece. So at the axis, we know what the dogs are learning on. But, yeah, they're a key part to uh, aid in the enforcement officers across the state. We travel the whole state to uh, provide canine assistance to all the officers. So what what does a typical week look like for you and Mac? I would assume it goes far beyond the metro area. Yeah, so uh, I'm the West Metro supervisor, so obviously I supervise the staff there. But uh, if there's an aquatic invasive species checkpoint across the state, we'll supplement and we'll travel up to wherever it is and uh, help the officers doing the checkpoint. Or if uh, an officer has a case where they need help with the dog, we'll uh, load up and go. Now, what what, what about being at home with the dog? My youngest daughter has a service dog with her. And when we're at home with her, she's just a regular old dog, and sometimes will climb up on the couch when they're not supposed to, and sure. so on and so forth. How, how's that at home with the dog? Yeah, Max, very similar to that. Uh, <laughs> this is probably about the best behavior he's been all day today. He uh, normally doesn't get a sit still, yeah. so he's relishing at it. But uh, at home, yeah, he can. We, we have these dogs that used to be the police dog, used to be the big bad police dog. But those days yep. are long gone. We want social dogs that have a light switch. They can turn it on, turn it off. I can tell you Mac is very high drive and uh, slightly spastic, but at home he can shut it off and just enjoy life. So. Yeah, and just kind of kick back and yeah. look out the window. He doesn't understand that the kitchen table is not to be jumped on, but uh, <laughs> we kind of we want these dogs to be able to go out and know that the world is theirs. There is some boundaries, but uh, we want them willing to uh, get into places that we can't. But I, I have a four-year-old, and Mac uh, and her you know, bond very well at home together and just relax. And you're you're out at the fair, but your your duty day isn't done. You're gonna, you're going to be busy. You you still have work to do. Yep. So we've been here today. Uh, we've done three canine demos. The whole canine unit's been down here doing that over at the DNR building. And then tonight uh, we're going to go out and do security around the fair. Yeah, and I I suppose by the end of the day, you, you and Mac are tired. Yeah. We, uh, I, don't, I don't know so much about Mac. Mac's got yeah, a little more drive than I do, right. but uh, he'd, he'd rather be out here working than sitting at home. Now, who helps you with the training? You, you had experience in the military, but is there a specialist that comes in that does this? Do you work with an organization? How, how, how does that sure. play out? Yeah, I'm the uh, canine coordinator, and uh, we've partnered with the St. Paul Police Department a couple years ago, so all the dogs that we've had in the last few years have went through the St. Paul Police Canine program and uh, they train right beside the narcotics and explosive dogs the only difference is is we're using game and fish and zebra mussels so yeah and what about the dogs themselves where do they come from is is there a breeder in particular i i my my niece married a, a marine who worked with dogs in in the military and now has since retired out of the military um it it is it, you got to get the right dogs, and I suppose that's part of it. Yeah, it's probably the biggest challenge I have. Uh, 
purchasing for the government is very difficult. There's a lot yeah, of a bid sure. process that has to go through. So it's a, it's about the same as buying a pencil or a pickup truck. The, <laughs> yeah, only, the right. only difference is, is uh, we're looking for genetics and traits yeah. in a dog that have unique perso- personalities as well. So it, it is a challenge. But we get our dogs from police vendors, some overseas, and then some here locally in the States. Wow. Um, and then how, how long will he serve? How, how long will he be a canine officer for the DNR. Yeah, so uh, we try to get the most out of them. It's an investment, and uh, these these dogs are athletes. We don't want to retire them too early, so they sit yeah. at home cooped up. But uh, usually seven to ten years is the average uh, working life of a dog. All right, so how old is he? He's four. So oh, wow, so he's got a long way to go. Yeah, he's four going on about two. Yeah, I suppose. I, I saw when he came up uh, a lot of energy. Um, sometimes... Out in the field, do you need to do you need to rein them in? Is there retraining as as part of it? Are, are you constantly working with the dog and maybe reinforcing positive behavior? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, every day is training. Right. Uh, you know, Mac goes to work with me at at some point in the day. We're doing some training. A lot of times for his food for the day, it's through a training. And uh, there's constant reinforcement. Our handlers are required to have 16 hours of training a month, but they get far more than that. And uh, we meet monthly as a team to uh, make sure that we're reinforcing all that training. You know, it, it, it seems as though that they bring a lot of value in the field. And they have a unique skill set. Is there a thought of eventually expanding the number of DNR canine officers? Is it the program going to grow? Yeah, hopefully. I think, uh, you know, we've had a pretty good pro- program for the last few years and uh, it continues to get better and better so uh, as long as there's a demand for it we'll supply dogs and uh, get them out there all right well uh, good to meet you both and we appreciate your service and certainly getting into a busy time of year uh, we, we had steve carney on talking about fall fishing and of course hunting season uh, i'm sure it's a very busy time for the dnr coming up yeah, this is uh, our go time, September yeah. 1st through uh, probably January. We're going to be getting after it. So. Yeah, well, well, thanks again. Good to meet you. Thanks for coming by here at the Minnesota State Fair. Once again, DNR Conservation Officer Phil Mose and his canine officer Mac joining us here. News Talk, A3O-WCCO. We'll have the weather in a moment. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, let's get the bad news out of the way. The Vikings lose to the Cardinals at U.S. Bank Stadium, 18-17, uh, the preseason is over. Kevin O'Connell has not won a preseason game as head coach. I don't know if that puts him on the hot seat. I doubt it. But the Cardinals beat the Vikes 18-17. The only thing I can say, it's over. 
I pay almost no attention to the NFL preseason. Uh, the Vikings season starts for real in a couple of weeks, and we'll see how it plays out. And I think the big key for this team, uh, I'll go quick, is how good will the DB under Brian Flores? Will he be able to improve the team defensively enough? Move them maybe into the middle of the pack, uh, considering they're a, a bottom feeder defensively in the NFL for the past few seasons. Just moving them up into the middle of the pack would be a great improvement because I think offensively uh, the Vikings should be pretty competitive. But defensively they need to be better. So Cardinals beat the Vikes 18-17. Twins on the radio tonight. They play the Rangers. Uh, but college football is underway. And Jonathan Lowe for years and years and years has helped me out on college football Saturday. None of the local teams are in action next. For instance, the Gophers take on Nebraska on Thursday night at U.S. Bank Stadium to get the season started. But there are some college football games. Jonathan, uh, you've got some scores. Tell us what's going on. Oh, that sound is wonderful. By the way, Mr. Steve Thompson, it's wonderful always joining you on a Saturday, no matter what time of year it is. But right now it's kind of special. It's still a little hot outside. The leaves are still very green, but that's okay. That's okay. We can go ahead and accept that right now, even though it's still summertime, it feels like another Saturday in the fall, y'all. College football is back and here, there, and everywhere. Let's go ahead and get you up to date on the scores of the day. We just have one game this afternoon in week zero of the college football season. It's just gone final from Dublin, Ireland, number 13, Notre Dame taking on their rival Navy in the first game of the season. Very unusual. Notre Dame has finished off a 42-3 win over the midshipmen. Just underway in Jacksonville. Jacksonville State taking on UTEP. That just kicked off a few minutes ago. Coming up a little bit later this evening, uh, the fighting Kevin Reeds. Kevin Reed, one of our former producers here at CCO. Ohio will be in California to take on San Diego State. It'll be UMass in the desert to take on New Mexico State. The game of the night will be a little bit later this evening as number 6 USC takes on San Jose State at the Coliseum in L.A. Vanderbilt will host Hawaii a little bit before that, and then Florida International will be taking on Louisiana Tech in an actual league game that starts off at seven or 8 o'clock this evening. So those are your seven games. Talking about coming up next weekend, as Steve discussed, Thursday night, uh, Huntington Bank Stadium over on the east side of the river. It's Minnesota opening up Big Ten play as they take on Nebraska. Wisconsin, the number 19 Badgers will get underway next Saturday as they host Buffalo at Camp Randall. The Missouri Valley getting underway on Thursday. South Dakota will be at Como taking on the Missouri Tigers. South Dakota State will be at home hosting Western Oregon. Next Saturday, it will be North Dakota State taking on Eastern Washington in the season opener. Northern Iowa will be down the road in Ames to take on Iowa State next Saturday. North Dakota will be hosting Drake in Grand Forks, and St. Thomas will get underway next week as well. They'll be underway next Saturday as they take on Black Hill State at O'Shaughnessy Stadium. So next weekend we'll have a lot to talk about, but it's just a taste, just a little bit of a taste getting underway this week, Steve. 
All right, very good, Jonathan. Twins and Rangers later on. Good to hear you during the score or doing the scores. You know, it's just one of those things where I'm not sure I'm ready yet, but uh, we will be ready when uh, all the area teams get started. Of course, so we'll have the Northern Sun and MIAC scores, uh, and of course, check on the Pioneer and uh, the Missouri Valley as we move through the fall here on News Talk E3OWCCO. Another great event. Weekend number two underway of the state amateur baseball tournament. They're out in Litchfield, Dazzle, and Delano. I did a game in Delano last night as the Athletics uh, took care of business, beating Spring Hill 4-0. Max Otto was dominant, nine innings, 12 strikeouts, no walks, no runs, three hits on 99 pitches. Delano, the number one team in Class C, advances. They'll be at home again on Friday night. Kip Kovar joins us. For the Herald Journal, uh, covering a lot of towns just west of the cities, and uh, Kip, good to visit with you. You're at the state tournament again today. Yeah, I'm back at Delano, and I, I'm enjoying this weather a lot better than last Saturday. It's really yeah, nice that's right. <laughs> yeah, it, it was brutal last Saturday. In general, though, the weather has been pretty good. It was gorgeous Friday night uh, for the three games of the Class C at the three sites. And as I mentioned, I saw Delano. One thing I can uh, I, I I can confirm they're really good and have to be the favorite uh, to win the C this year. Yeah, they are really good. And just the whole atmosphere last night, 1,300 people, over 1,300 people here to cheer them on. It was pretty cool. And the crazy part is I don't even think Delano played that well last night. They had a couple silly errors early on, but kind of cleaned things up down the stretch. And Toby Hansen had another big home run to kind of put things away early. But it's those first couple round matchups where everyone's got their ace, everyone's got their guys where a 4 nothing game was everybody thinks, oh, Spring Hill gave Delano a game, but really it never really seemed like Delano was in trouble throughout that game and it's just, it's fun to see you get these first couple weekends, everybody's got a guy or two that can keep guys in check, so it, you never know what's going to happen Yeah, and uh, you, you bring up the setting in Delano on a great ballpark in Dazzle and Litchfield I, I, I would say in all my travels, Delano is about as good as it gets. It is magical. I was there for that All-Star game, North Star Crow River, uh, 4th of July weekend. And then I was there opening weekend and again there last night. It, it, it is just tremendous. Yeah, it's just one of those ballparks where once you get a yeah. taste of it, especially in a big atmosphere game, you just can't wait to get back. And it's kind of rare in parts where one kind of there's so many good parks in the state but when you get that many people to agree that delano is one of the greatest parks in the state it kind of speaks for itself but no slouch for dazzle dazzle's got an incredible field as well and i think litchfield people kind of forget about that it's probably one of the most underrated parks in the state they put a lot of time and a lot of money into that getting ready to host this tournament they had a region 12 tournament there last year so three great parks for the 100th tournaments it's been pretty fun so i'm glad a lot of people are getting out and seeing all these parks yeah, and uh, phenomenal job by all the host towns and the Minnesota Baseball Association and the hard work, all the volunteers that uh, they put into it. The, the event just seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and we invite folks to take it in if if they can. Class B uh, merged with Class A, if you will, and a lot of tournament action there. And uh, quick check of the scoreboard. Minnetonk Miller is a perennial power, beat the Metro Knights 8-0 in a 130 game out in Delano. Litchfield Moore had Brewers 
Eat Hopkins 8-4. Meesville advances. They're out in Dazzle, beat the Anoka Bucks 13-1. Cold Spring down St. Louis Park 9-3. Some early games, St. Patrick Irish beat Baseball 365, 5-3 in Delano. And uh, another B game in Litchfield today, Air Freight Unlimited beat the Minneapolis Angels 4-1, to and, and that's been a, a unique tournament as well as the Class A and Class B get together, and they, they put on a pretty good show. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people kind of figure, we're kind of wondering how it's going to be. Is A going to dominate B? Is B going to be kind of sneaky good? And I think through the first weekend, last weekend, it was pretty even in matchups of who won A or B, so it's kind of cool to see that continue. St. Patrick making a run in their first year at B is pretty cool to see, so it's a lot of guys that can compete, it's kind of cool to bring that A atmosphere into this instead of having them over in St. Anthony on their own. So I think it's a cool move. It's definitely a different move the state board pulled off this year, but I think it's working just judging by attendance numbers the last couple of days. And the tournament has kind of been pretty good as well. Some really good games. All right, uh, Kip, give us a sense of the games to watch yet tonight and tomorrow in the tournament. Yeah, this next one coming up in Delano should be a really good one. Plato back at the state tournament again after winning it a couple times here in the last decade or so. And then Laverne, kind of that team that's been on the edge of kind of the top ten the last couple of years. They got a bye this week, so we get our first look at them. So that'll be a good one. Uh, you got a Maple Lake-Cortland game coming up later tomorrow, I believe. That one should be fun. Cortland getting back and also Rosa and Mignotas today as well, I believe so. Some really good teams in the still alive, and then some teams we haven't heard of. So it's fun to see kind of what they can do on the big stage. Yeah, and of course, uh, Loretto, Corey Koski, and Sons, and the Loretto Larks uh, play tomorrow out in Litchfield in the 130 game as well. Yeah, I'll be there for Litchfield to cover that one. It was kind of cool uh, their game last week, and they had all four Koskis in the lineup, and and their big inning that they kind of pulled away in the eighth. All four of them did kind of had a big part in that inning. So there's a couple. You got Corey, the oldest, the dad, and then you got some couple college kids, and then Caleb, the youngest, comes in and contributes as well. And Loretto's one of those sneaky good teams that when the calendar turns August, they just find ways to win. So excited to get to Litchfield for the first time this tournament and see what the Larks can do. Yeah, and I remember it being a goal, and I, I don't know where Corey was, was quoted as saying his goal was to be able to play with his boys, and here, here they are all together on the Larks. Yeah, I think it was a couple of years. Wait, his first year was 2021, I believe. So it was kind of that, and he was talking about it. And actually, Caleb, it started last year. Caleb actually pitched the first game for Loretto in their oh, first game yeah. against Waterville down at Faribault. So it's been all four Koskies. When, they, when they're there, it's a tough lineup. they got some other veteran guys to fill in, some good young talent as well. So it's a fun team to watch and an awesome, cool story for just people that – kind of think it's stone ball is beer league baseball or beer league softball no there's former major leaguers division one division two just unreal high school players too that can take over a game so you never know what you might see and it's a lot of fun yeah it, like i say max Otto looked pretty good on the mound last night for delano in delano and that win over spring hill he he is the real deal well kip always good to visit with you how do people follow your work i know you you follow amateur baseball all summer long as well as anyone uh you're you're really tuned in how do people find your work yeah you can follow me on twitter or x or whatever you want to call it these days at colvar underscore hj sports and then if you're a a Region 7 fan or a Crow River Valley fan, you can follow all the work on crvlbaseball.com. And then for 
other regions, Delano, Loreno, uh, DelanoHeraldJournal.com, and then also coming up Labor Day weekend, I'll be doing some stuff with Minnesota Baseball Association, so you can always check out their website for everything. They've got roundups for each game at each site, and I'll be helping out with that as the tournament goes on. All right, Kip, always good to visit with you. Thank you. Hopefully we'll see you at the ballpark. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Steve. All right, there he is, Kip Kovar from the Herald Journal, an update on the state amateur baseball tournament. Twins, Rangers, we'll count you down to that. We'll have some highlights from a big Twins win on Friday night. Uh, Joe Ryan on the mound. And a guy by the name of Max Scherzer for the Rangers tonight at Target Field. Our lineup card at 530 with Chris, Corey, and Danny with all the play-by-play at 610 here on the home of the Twins. News Talk, 830-WCCO. I can hardly wait for that event. U.S. Gymnastics Trials. Uh, my daughter and I, we, we got in early. We, we bought tickets for the whole thing uh, to be a part of that. And now the fact that Simone Biles is on the comeback trail, that is going to be a phenomenal event at Target Center. So we're in. Uh, we hope to see you there uh, next summer. And here we are, uh, a fall day here at the State Fair. Uh, we went from brutal heat and humidity earlier this week to a cool, comfortable day as some folks wearing light coats. Uh, still 71 degrees, northeast winds at 12. Tonight, clear, low near 57. Keith Urban at the grandstand. And then tomorrow, sunny 79. Ideal weather, light winds. And then it looks like 80s for the coming week, warming up near 90 by the end of the week next uh, Friday and Saturday here on the fairgrounds. Twins and Rangers, game three of the four-game set, coming up tonight from Target Field here on News Talk, A3OWCCO. And the Twins have been getting it done. They've extended their lead in the division to six and a half games over Cleveland. They're only five games over 500, but uh, Cleveland, they've just done nothing. They're three and seven in their last ten. Uh, meanwhile, Texas on an eight-game losing streak, including losing the first two of those series with the Twins at Target Field. Friday night uh, certainly was a big night, and the Twins' bats dominated. And, uh, of course, Sonny Gray on the mound, they were in good shape. Matt Walner tripled. And the 1-1 line to right field. That's a base hit down the line. That's going to find a corner. One run scores. Two runs score. Here comes Lewis racing around third base. He will score. Walters at third. It's a first inning. Bases clearing. Three run triple. And the Twins strike first. It's 3-0. Yeah, they they just kept piling on early on the Rangers. Uh, Jeffers uh, single to keep the line moving. And the 3-1. A swing and a ground ball. That is fair inside first and down the right field line. That'll bounce off the sidewall. Jeffers will hang on near first base with an RBI single as Walner is in. It's a 4-0 Twins lead. Yeah, and the Twins just uh, continued to add to the lead late in the ballgame. It eventually turned into a major blowout. This time, Carlos Correa in the seventh. And the 0-1 pitch, a drive to left field and deep. Back it goes, deep it goes, way out of here. Home run, Correa. Solo shot to the second deck and left. And the Twins add on, now lead 5-1. So there it is. Twins roll to a 12-2 victory. They've won two in a row in the series. They'll try and make it three. We'll have more on uh, the pitching matchup tonight. Max Scherzer. 
against Joe Ryan. But uh, the manager, Rocco Baldelli, talked about that great ball game on Friday night. I mean, you have to like everything about what you just saw out there. And it uh, uh, started with the offense. It started with Sonny. And um, I think we rode both the offense and Sonny basically the whole game. And um, I, honestly, I just saw I, I saw a good baseball game being played by our guys out there. And I honestly was just incredibly pleased with uh, with the whole thing. Yeah, so uh, all around, you got to love that 12-2 victory easy win. Uh, Sonny Gray was the starter and winner for the Twins and he talked about a great team win. The way we showed up, we put up a four spot in the first. We took advantage of a few of, of their mistakes and, and we capitalized and that was that was huge to to put up that four spot early. Um, as a pitcher, it gives you uh, confidence to go out and, and, and attack the zone and force them to put it in play and, and our defense was absolutely incredible tonight all around infield defense outfield defense um, Jeffers with the glove so I mean that was uh, that was as much of a of a team win as as, as you could have and uh, the way that we played defense tonight and the way that we swung the bats that was uh, that was that was really really fun to, to be a part of so a feel good Friday night win for the twins once again a big thanks to Jonathan Lowe for putting together those highlights twins win 12 to 2. And they'll try and take game three of the four-game set tonight. Here's the lay of the land. We'll go to the newsroom. We'll have all the news beginning at 5 o'clock. We'll come back and visit with Dan Hayes from The Athletic. We'll talk more about the Twins as they continue to pull away in the division and then turn it over to the lineup card, the pregame lineup card at 5.30 here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.